Thunderdome's simple. Get to the weapons, use them any way you can. I know you won't break the rules. There aren't any. Welcome to another edition of Thunderdome! is in a crucial stage It's not because of foreign wars we wage It's more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people try to cross the border And politicians build a new world order Minds are convinced they should be led. I've got a big free the way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damn you went. Taking your right to self defense. They say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn into guns. Always ask for more. All we buy is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell to pay. I've gotta be free. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing. With all the usual caveats, of course, along with uh, special caveats uh, this particular broadcast, as uh, all the fine uh, folks in the state of Florida are dealing with, uh, well, with one of the most powerful hurricanes we've seen in a while. It's uh, it's been something to see. Uh, if you're from this part of the country, there's a really good chance that you know somebody personally, that you have friends, uh, that you have uh, former schoolmates, may very well have family members that are living in parts of Florida, especially parts that have been in the path of this storm. Huge swaths of the state's been taking it on the chin. So, again, a reminder to our friends and neighbors uh, in the great state of Florida who tried to ride it out now, who are preparing to to try to clean up afterwards as things still aren't quite settled as of the time of the broadcast. I want to remind you that uh, your, 
your neighbors, your friends, on up the road a little bit, and driving on up I-75, driving on up, uh, come, come visit, come hang out, and know that, uh, you know, folks in Georgia, the folks in Alabama, the folks in South Carolina, the ones who don't have to worry about a lot of rain and flooding over the weekend themselves, We've got your back, guys. We we will be there for you as we always are, as you guys are there for us. And I would presume there will be a lot of great folks from other places, too, a little further off that will be showing up ready to help. So just hang in there. And for those of you who who lost more than just some property, know that, well, know that we're here for you, too. And... Uh, if if that's the only thing right now that you've got positive going on, please remember to focus on what little bit of positive you can find. It will help you to get through just a little bit longer and it will help you to stay focused on uh, the important things in life. With that being said, there are some things that uh, I need to talk to you on the national level. I uh, ended up having a conversation with uh, Ken Crow. Of course, he's the purveyor of the conservative daily briefing. And uh, we talked some different conversational points. And I'd ask him for 30 minutes. We ended up talking for nearly an hour and a half. I had to edit down some of that conversation and break it into segments. So I'll try to sneak most of that in today. And if I don't quite get to all of it, well, then... Well, then I will revisit it on an upcoming broadcast, as we'll be doing broadcast this weekend as well. But uh, a couple of stories I wanted to start off with, first and foremost, just in case you haven't heard yet. Uh, and just FYI, for those of you that are listening to the rebroadcast on Terrestrial Radio, or maybe you're a day or two behind on your podcast listening, time of the live broadcast happens to be the month of September on the 29th day of the year 2022. So... It's Thursday. Seems that the U.S. Senate has passed its stopgap bill seeking to avoid a partial government shutdown while also sending billions of U.S. taxpayer dollars, uh, billions more of U.S. taxpayer dollars to Ukraine. Yeah, I mean, at this point, uh, when inflation gets so bad, why not just see if you can push inflation to a point that it literally laps itself. You start looking like you're the leader of the group because you're so far behind. How about we try that? I mean, they've tried everything else, right? Anyway, the legislation passed 72 to 25, and it will keep the government funded through the middle of December, and then we'll have to do it all again. So along with creating a path for the federal government to avoid the partial shutdown, the Senate also approved more than $12 billion in additional aid for Ukraine. I just, I'm left scratching my head. It just, I, I'm mind-boggled. I don't understand how we get there. Anyway, wanted to share that as that was breaking news uh, at the time of the broadcast. Also wanted to touch on the fact that uh, Anthony Fauci was making some headlines. No, this time not for something he said about whether or not you should be masked or whether or not everyone should be masked or go get your 17th booster shot. No, 
somebody did some investigating on his part. You see, Dr. Anthony Fauci's net worth, it shot way up during the COVID pandemic, leaving the career government employee sitting on nearly $13 million as a nest egg. Uh, this according to newly uncovered documents. The 81-year-old director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease, he added some $5 million to his household net worth from 2019 to 2021. This, again, according to financial disclosures that were obtained by OpenTheBooks.com. Fauci, the federal government's highest-paid employee already, including the president, he earns $480,000 annually. Every year, that's what he brings in. That's a pretty good salary for a government employee, $480,000. So while millions of Americans suffered under his pandemic policies, Fauci's personal profit soared. Uh, Adam uh, Andrew Zariski, and uh, I'm butchering Adam's last name. I apologize. Uh, the CEO of OpenTheBooks.com, uh, he he's calling him out on this, and he literally makes the the statement that uh, this ridiculous profitability, while so many people were forced into not working. Anyway, the mandatory disclosures show that Fauci's household net worth jumped from $7.6 million at the beginning of the year 2019 to well over $12.6 million by the end of 2021. Fauci augmented his generous taxpayer-funded salary with an array of prizes, perks, royalties, and investment income. One example was the $1 million prize awarded to Fauci by the Israeli-based Dan David Foundation for, quote, speaking truth to power and defending science during the Trump administration, basically for uh, putting Trump in his place, for uh, turning that that crazy orange man who's bad, who goes around kicking puppies and eating babies and setting the climate on fire because he's a climate arsonist and all, for setting him straight when he's talking about injecting chlorine into your veins. Dr. Fauci was there to say, oh, hold up there, Mr. President, sir, but uh, uh, that's just not very much science. And, and the people that criticize me well, they're criticizing science because I am the science. You, you remember Fauci saying that, right? Anyway, Fauci also pocketed a six-figure sum for editing a medical textbook, uh, Harrison's Principles of Internal Medicine, and serving on the board of directors for its publisher, McGraw-Hill. So he was on the board of directors, and he did the edit for the medical textbook. Six figures for that seems a bit much. And if I had any idea that that was the kind of salary you could expect for editing uh, textbooks, man, oh man, have I got to make a career change. 
Anyway, the Watchdog group has kind of been fighting for a while now to, forgive the pun, unmask Fauci's finances. Uh, they've literally filed four federal lawsuits against the National Institutes of Health, the federal agency that oversees Fauci's office. Earlier this year, Senator Roger Marshall, Republican from Kansas, forced the agency to reveal Fauci's unredacted financial disclosures for 2019 and 2020, after a rather nasty Capitol Hill class that saw the good doctor call the lawmaker a moron. It's true. I'm sure you guys probably remember that as well. Hey, you're a moron. Well, now you know, but it's, it's not a good look, Dr. Fauci. Especially for the man who's uh, clearly the second greatest doctor of all time, uh, immediately behind Dr. Joe Biden. In addition to the Israeli group's prize, of which Fauci donated 10% to charity, the good doctor also reaped unrealized investment gains totaling $2,832,000. $876. Yes, unrealized. Now, for those of you that are financially illiterate, as in some lefty that's accidentally discovered the show and is sitting there because, oh, wow, he's talking about Dr. Fauci. I like that guy. Uh, unrealized investment gains means that Whatever he had invested in, we'll say a stock for the purposes of this, because I would imagine some of this probably is stocks anyway. The value of those stocks that he's holding increased by nearly $3 million. They're unrealized because he, as of the time of the financial disclosures, hasn't sold those stocks. Therefore, he's still holding on to the investment. Technically, he has that value available, but it's not liquid cash. It's not the actual amount of value that it will be whenever he finally cashes out. So right now, it's theoretical. And that's why, boys and girls, if you happen to be a lefty accidentally listening, why it's unethical for people like Pocahontas, that's Elizabeth Warren for the unindoctrinated Elizabeth Warren, well, it's very much unethical for Elizabeth or for Kamala or several of the other Democratic money-grabbing individuals uh, that have made the argument that uh, certain people should be taxed on their estimated net worth, including unrealized gains. That's why it's entirely unethical to try to tax that at a higher rate because it's not actually value that they have. It's literally, especially in a Biden economy, value that could be cut in half or further uh, tomorrow as the markets crash yet once again. It certainly is plausible. But then again, they are only trying to tax the rich, right? That's a lot of money, though. Unrealized investment gains. I would love to know what he had invested in and how much he invested to to manage a nearly $3 million increase. That's pretty good. Maybe instead of being a doctor, 
Uh, maybe Anthony Fauci should be a financial advisor. That's that's a really good game, guys. Uh, those particular funds included $919,205 in royalties and travel perks, along with an additional $910,174 in investment gains. So, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Fauci's $10.3 million investment portfolio includes mutual funds and no individual stocks, at least according to OpenTheBooks.com's analysis. That's even more amazing. Uh, if I don't know how familiar you guys may be with the market. You don't have to have a great deal of familiarity to know the difference between mutual funds and individual stocks. I do know there's a lot of lefties out there that have no fiscal sense whatsoever. But, again, if you're an accidental lefty that's just happened to be here, and now you're trying to wonder, why does he keep saying I'm accidentally left? <laughs> if you're one of those folks. Mutual funds, that is a fund that has actually bought multiple stocks in an attempt to uh, diversify but to emulate certain sectors of the market. So sometimes there's not a whole lot of diversity in the industry, depending on the nature of the fund. So it's the idea being that if one stock tanks, uh, the other stocks in the fund will maintain a certain amount of value and worth. But again, I seem to recall a lot of volatility in the market since 2019. This is an amazing amount of uh, increase in value. That's just, it's phenomenal. I want to know who the guy's advisor is. Uh, that's what I want. Anyway, beyond that, uh, Fauci's wife, Christine Grady, uh, the chief bio ethicist at the National Institutes of Health, had investments totaling over $2.4 million at the end of 2021. So Fauci maintained an ownership stake in a San Francisco restaurant, Jackson Fillmore, worth somewhere between $1,000 and $15,000. This according to documents. Uh, open the books com pegs Fauci's true government compensation at somewhere around $694,998 after factoring in generous perks and benefits unheard of in the private sector. Fauci, who has, of course, announced that he will be retiring in December, stands to pull in an annual pension. It means he's still going to be collecting the check from taxpayer dollars, guys. An annual pension of $375,000. The guy in retirement with no other investments, with nothing else, no speaking engagements, no book deals, he's going to still be making three or four times more than most Americans. It's... It's unbelievable. The guy's done nothing but lie to the American people uh, since the AIDS crisis. 
He's managed to become the highest paid government employee because he's one of the longest standing government employees. He's managed to not get fired and not leave. Um, greener pastors never presented themselves and he's made a career of it. It's just, it's crazy stuff. I, I just, I don't even know what to say at that point. Guys, let's go ahead and take the mid-hour break just a little early. And uh, when we come back, I will play the first part of my extended conversation with Ken Crow. Don't go anywhere. I will be right back. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. have a better idea. In fact, Ford has bad news for car buyers and the economy. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. As you know, supply chain issues have been hindering every sector of the economy, including auto manufacturers like Ford Motor Company. The Durbornistan, Michigan auto giant pointed to the coronavirus scandemic lockdowns, forced automakers to halt operations at factories in certain regions. Also, semiconductor shortages forced them to suspend the production of certain models. The reopening of the various economies gave hope that the supply chain issues might improve. Unfortunately, that is not the case for a number of reasons, including Biden administration economy strangulation via regulations. So now, between up to 45,000 to 50,000 ordered vehicles remain partially manufactured, and they will not be completed before the start of the final quarter of this year. Also, the dealerships will not receive vehicles for sale on schedule. Ford hopes to have the needed supplies to finish building those 50,000 mostly high-margin trucks and SUVs before the end of this year. Ford refused to say which specific parts are missing or which models are affected. I'm Ron Edwards. Check out the Ron Edwards American Experience via theronedwards.com. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. The president has been very clear, you know, as you know, the president has been very clear, very clear, very, very clear. Uh, uh, uh. The president is doing what the president is your the president is. These are items that the president has been very clear on. End of quote. Repeat the line. Uh, uh, uh. And so the president has been very clear. The president has been very clear. I was going to put him uh, foot. The president's been very clear. Why? But the president has been very clear. But is he going to specify exactly? No, but he has. The best way to get something done that uh, uh, if you if you hold near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to. Uh, uh,
constitutional grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. Here's the thing. People think that the President of the United States has the power for debt forgiveness. He does not. He can postpone. He can delay. But he does not have that power. That would that has to be an act of Congress. But the, the difference between the president, do, president can't do it. So that's not even a discussion. One, two, eighteen. Let me eat a bill bar. Let me eat a bill bar. Let me eat a bill bar. very much for staying with me through that break. I want to remind you that uh, there is a link in the show description that will take you to built.com. Only it doesn't look like built.com in the show description. That link will take you there, but it'll also let them know that I'm the one that sent you. So I'd ask you to follow that. And you'll also see a link to Patriot Depot. If you need any kind of patriotic gear, any type of pro-Second Amendment gear, t-shirts, hoodies, uh, games, DVDs, movies, uh, which most DVDs are movies now that I think about it. If you're looking for anything uh, pro-Trump, pro-Second Amendment, I think I said that already, uh, pro-First Amendment, whatever it is. If you love America, you'll find something great there. And there is a link in the show description that will not only take you to Patriot Depot, but it also will let them know that I sent you. And that really does help me out, guys. So follow those links and see what these guys have to offer. 
you can't go wrong. Meanwhile, here's part of my conversation earlier with Ken Crow. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much uh, for staying with us through that very brief break. As always, I'm so very uh, enthused to have you with me. And uh, this is an occasion where I get to extend that enthusiasm by bringing back a guest that you guys really enjoy when I have him on. And uh, I enjoy it, too, which is why I keep having him back. He is the purveyor of the conservative daily briefing, and he is a a semi-regular contributor to America's Voice News now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the show, Mr. Ken Crow. Ken, welcome back. Thank you so much for uh, cutting into your evening and all your many activities and for joining me tonight. How are you doing today? We are living the dream, Tim. Living the dream. If you Or maybe it's a nightmare. Maybe that's a better word for it. We're living the nightmare known as the Biden administration. But we are surviving. We had a good harvest in our garden this year. And yeah, <laughs> that's about it. Well, I, How are you, my friend. I'm doing all right. I, I wish I had had a little more garden space because it's time to put it away. I'm uh, concerned about where we're going to be food wise here in a couple of months. Uh, having a third less of uh, food growth from the farmers because of no uh, no fertilizer. I think it's going to be kind of scary here soon, Ken. In fact, uh, part of the reason I wanted to have you on, uh, I know that you're so heavily involved with uh, your activism. You, you've done a lot of stuff for various campaigns, and you're one of my go-to people when it comes to important election cycles. And we're just a few weeks away from the midterms, and I wanted to to discuss your feeling where you thought we were at with that. But before we get into that, I wanted to talk to you about your thoughts with what's going on with this uh, Nordstrom uh, pipeline. Uh, we've had this incident. Uh, it is clearly, obviously sabotaged. Somebody attacked it. By all accounts, this had to have been a submersible drone. That only means that there's a couple of folks that could have done this and not be detected and uh, top of that list is the United States but I wanted to go over some of the possible scenarios with you of everybody who's getting blamed and why certain things are reasonable and why certain things aren't because I know you've been uh, talking a lot about uh, Russia and keeping an eye on that as well and uh, it's just one of these crazy things that I wrote a piece not too long ago that you were nice enough to uh, publish over at Conservative Daily Briefing where I talked about the assassination of uh, uh, Mr. Dugan's daughter over in Russia and how I was questioning if that was an Archduke Ferdinand moment. Uh, I think we're even closer yet to a full escalation of hostilities across the board uh, with this attack on the pipeline. Uh, we're pointing fingers at Russia. Russia's pointing fingers uh, at Ukraine. Uh, Poland has some folks pointing fingers at the U.S., thanking us for doing it. Um, I, I got to tell you, I, I don't want to believe any of the answers, but there's so many different things going on. I figured I would start talking to you because you've had your finger on this Russian pulse uh, as well as anybody I know lately. So, uh, first of all, Ken... Did the Russians sabotage their own pipeline? You know, Tim, I can't think of a reason why they would. And I've given this quite a bit of thought because 
That pipeline was one of Vladimir Putin's primary sources of income to fund his war with, you know, and he shut down the pipeline that runs into Poland and then into Germany and all that as a retribution for them speaking out against Russia because they're members of NATO and all that. But that other pipeline was a different story. And I can't, um, I, I don't, I cannot find the, the justification for Russia doing it because it's, it's borderline an act of war, what was done to it. I mean, it belonged to Russia, and somebody came in and sabotaged it and blew it up. And that's not a good thing. And I, so I can't find a justification because Putin doesn't want to go to war with NATO. He, he doesn't mind warring in Ukraine. Doesn't he mind us? He doesn't like it, but he's not even real upset about us sending some handheld, you know, anti-aircraft rocket launchers over there and a few items like that. Um, that doesn't even concern him that much. But he doesn't want a war with NATO. That was one of his reasons for going into Ukraine in the first place was to keep NATO out of Ukraine. Back in the Trump administration, Russia basically Trump told Putin, hey, look, I'll take care of Ukraine. You you sit up there, be happy, you know, do your thing. I'll take care of Ukraine if you'll stand down. He said, okay. He goes to Ukraine and says, shut up, stupid. You're not going to become a member of NATO. Sit here and behave yourself. Vlad will sit on that side of the river, behave himself, and you guys get along. And everybody did that for four years. And then when Biden was elected, and this is my personal belief, because Ukraine has so much dirt on the Biden family, and Zelensky wanted to be a member of NATO so bad, that was his dream, to become a member of the big boy club. And uh, he goes to Biden and says, hey, we want to be in NATO. And he announces to the world, we're joining NATO. And Vlad says, no, you're not. <laughs> and he says, yes, we are. By God, we're joining NATO. And Vlad says, no, 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 you're not. And then all hell breaks loose. And another side note to that, it was also because he was getting word that Ukraine was basically abusing all of the Russian people that lived in the Donbass region. Dundas, Dundas, and eastern Ukraine, just north of Crimea. And that was another reason he went in, was to protect them. So now NATO is ratcheting up because Biden goes to the UN the other day and tells them, you know, hey, you're going you're, you're gonna to stand behind Ukraine and tells the world, we're standing behind Ukraine. And then he goes in, and I honestly believe it was the United States that bombed those pipelines, because there isn't but a handful of people in the world that have the capacity to go to the ocean floor and dynamite pipelines with undersea drones. And I they, because Biden gave that speech that you referenced and we referenced in our phone call a little while ago, 
back in January, and Clayton Morris talked about it. I don't know if you watched his new program. You know, he used to be the Fox News guy, and he started a new program called Redacted, and it's on YouTube. And uh, he was talking about this day before yesterday. He was talking about it. And uh, there isn't anybody that's got the technology but us and possibly China. And I don't see any reason why China would go do it. Right. And lastly, the last two world wars were started in this part of the world. Yeah. And in fact, World War One, as you referenced earlier, began over an archduke in one of the what used to be Soviet bloc countries, I believe. Well, back before it was Soviet bloc. But at any rate, this seems to be the focal point for starting world chaos is in this part of Europe for some reason. Well, I think and, it does have a lot to do with the history of the region. There's a lot of mingling of cultures, and so there's a lot of, uh, shall we say, vague territorial claims as to who legitimately has control of certain areas. Uh, when you look at Ukraine, huge swaths, especially the Donbass region, like you were mentioning earlier, uh, speaks native Russian as opposed to uh, the Ukrainian native tongue which is right. not, not that dissimilar anyway, uh, which just indicates how close these people have been for a long time. But, yeah, it, it does lead me to that. Uh, you went ahead and answered what my next question for you was going to be because, obviously, a lot of folks on our side of the street have been blaming Russia. The working theory there is that they're just looking for an excuse to escalate and still have a chance to win the PR war. Uh, I think Russia right now is beyond the PR war, though. And like you said, there, there's not really any advantage to it. I, I have a hard time buying into it, although I do see Alexander Dugan as being this loose cannon over there. Uh, he he is certifiably dangerously crazy, but he's not reckless crazy, and things are still well-reasoned. <laughs> and uh, I don't think he would be looking at this. Uh, so I hear these people talk about, okay, let's let's look at them. They're looking for this excuse. It's like uh, maybe on the very outside range, some of the more radical folks might argue this. I don't see Vladimir doing that. So then that would have led me to my next question, which was going to be the most likely suspect is, did the U.S. do it? And you've kind of already answered that. You you seem to think that we're the most likely suspect here. And you're right. Uh, you and I were talking uh, on the phone before uh, we started here, and uh, we both were talking about a speech that Joe Biden, well, it wasn't even a speech. He was giving an interview. And he said, point blank, uh, that uh, if Russia invades the Ukraine, there would be no Nordstrom pipeline. Uh, he was threatening specifically Nordstrom too. Uh, and then uh, the reporter asked him, what exactly do you mean? And he basically just said, well, just trust me, we have ways of ending it. Basically threatened it there. And Ken, I know you remember, I hope the listeners remember, that at that point in time, this is when uh, Biden was giving these speeches and he was basically giving away the game. He was talking about what they knew Russia was about to do and how they still sure. weren't doing anything to stop it. They were basically encouraging this. 
you mentioned China. That was going to be my third question. What about China? Because I haven't heard anybody talking about China. And the one thing that I can see is China has been stealing so much of our tech, so much of our intellectual property. They could conceivably have these underwater drones, even though we don't have confirmation that they do. Uh, you and I both know, Ken, I, I hope most of the listeners realize it's years before we get acknowledgement of things that people have, especially foreign adversaries, let alone what we have. So I, I perceive it as being possible. And the one playoff there is that I can see them wanting to cut off Europe, wanting to keep uh, NATO and Russia at base so that they still have a little more leeway to put ever pressure on Taiwan that they want to. But beyond that, since this embargo has been put in place, while it hasn't been a true embargo in the truest sense, it has driven India closer to China and Russia, and it's driven Russia into selling their oil and natural gas at a highly discounted rate to China. So that's the one advantage that I could see that China would have something to gain from having done it if they theoretically – uh, have that capability, but that's still kind of a theoretical. I don't, I don't think so. I, okay. I respectfully counter with this. Okay. China and Russia have been becoming closer and closer, almost to the point of becoming allies. Right. And as a matter of fact, I told you about that incident two days ago off the coast of Alaska where the USS Kimball, the Coast Guard cutter, intercepted 12 destroyers six were russian six were chinese and they were all lined up in a row and they were having military maneuvers 86 miles off the alaskan border and they were still in international waters and they were all legal and everything but to come that close now i realize what they're trying to do they're trying to send some sort of message to the white house Hey, we can get you if we want you type thing. But the point is they're working together and they're working together on more than just that. And so I don't see China wanting to do that because it really doesn't benefit them to do it that that I can see that I, you know, on the surface that I can see, I, I don't understand what the geo global reasoning would be for attacking someone that you're wanting to because you know and i know ultimately maybe today maybe tomorrow next week next month but russia is going to figure out who did this they will figure it out ultimately and when they do if nobody comes to the forefront and admits it they're they're going to retaliate when they figure it out and so China wouldn't want wouldn't want them retaliating against them because they're wanting to work with Russia to take us down. Well, while that much is true, China is using Russia like crazy right now. And I think the the well, big thing here is China, their people, uh, the Chinese Communist Party, they fully believe that they are the superior folks, that they are going to rule the world, and they're more than happy to use Russia while they can. Um, 
I do think the geopolitical mindset is there for China to do this, especially if they think they can leave the the bread crumbs, uh, bread crumbs enunciation being important on the radio, uh, Ken. <laughs> uh, <laughs> if they can leave leave these breadcrumbs to make it look to convince Russia that it was either the U.S. or a U.S.-led NATO operation. That does benefit them uh, on the twofold. It drives Russia even closer to them, and it does continue to get them that very cheap, very abundant energy that's going to give them the type of edge that right now they don't have. Uh, so just well, politically, I think it works. But for the most part, I, I don't think you're necessarily wrong either. On the on the surface, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense until you dig into the really political motivations. And the question then becomes, first of all, do they have that technology that we're not uh, confirmed that they have? And then number two, are they willing to risk possibly being caught well you know i heard today well it could have been sweden well (laughs) maybe so maybe sweden used one of our drones i I don't know but the point i i go to is why would sweden want to freeze themselves to death this winter sweden needs that gas (laughs) they need it so does germany so does Poland. So does Great Britain. You know, they all needed it. And uh, and now they got none. And because the other pipeline shut down, too. So it's going to be a long, cold winter in Switzerland and Sweden and Norway and all those places over there. Uh, like you said, people are already out chopping down forests trying to store firewood up. And it's going to be that bad because Biden shut all our stuff down. We can't sell them any. We're not pumping enough, you know. Uh, so I, I feel for the euros. They're they're fixing to get a taste of what, uh, you know, what the bad side of life looks like. I guess. Yeah. Well, it has been a while. Uh, since they've had to face the type of winter they're going to be looking at. And from all the indicators, I'm looking at the old farmer's almanac here. Uh, don't know if any of the younger folks even know what I'm talking about when I'm that. But uh, uh, it looks like this is going to be a particularly rough winter for uh, most of Europe. So it, not only is it uh, a case of it's going to be colder than it has been for them for a long time, it's really going to be colder because it was going to be a rough winter to begin with, or at least that's what it's looking like. But... Well, I just, I just have one question. Yes, sir. And I want to see this young lady do this. I want Greta to go on worldwide television <laughs> and yell, I'll dare you at Vladimir Putin for shutting the gas off. <laughs> I want her to explain to us how her green energy is going to keep her frozen butt warm this January in Sweden. How dare you, Ken? How yeah. dare you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah it's, it's just amazing. Now, we've heard the lip service from France uh, that they were going to be firing up their nuclear plants uh, to try and counter some of this. But they're so not far, doing it, though. Yeah, but they're not. That's exactly where I was going. They're not. Uh, Germany was talking about some of the mandatory plants they were taking offline that they're going to extend. It doesn't make any sense that they're not going full board to, to get these things back up and operational because they know they're going to need it. 
because the green cult mm-hmm. has taken over. The green cult is convinced, you know, as long as I'm talking about green cult, I want to bring up Hurricane Ian for a minute because the latest talking points on MSNBC and CNN and all the rest of them is the climate change causes this big, bad hurricane. I want to remind them that in 1893, Louisiana was hit with what would now be a Cat 5 that killed thousands of people. 1901, Galveston was hit with the same, killed nearly 10,000 people then and destroyed the island. Uh, You can go on down through the list, Hurricane Carla, Hurricane Camille. I remember Camille coming on shore. I was a young man. This was 1968, I believe, or 69. And Hurricane Camille just devastated the Gulf Coast just devastated it and killed hundreds and hundreds of people. And the, the uh, waves were like 20 feet high storm surge and went miles inland. And so this is crap that Ian, I mean, it's Ian's one. You, you get a hurricane like this every four or five years. Remember Andrew, uh, hurricane that, that hit new Orleans. Katrina was, a four or five when she came on shore. But what killed New Orleans was the pumps failed Lake Pontchartrain when the back wind came from the hurricane. When it went over Lake Pontchartrain, it drove Lake Pontchartrain into downtown New Orleans. And that's what flooded New Orleans. It wasn't the hurricane as much as it was Lake Pontchartrain. And yeah, so this is horse crap. These hurricanes have been going on for thousands of years, and nothing's going to change. Yeah. Yeah, the thing about climate is it's always minorly changing over time. It's been doing that before humans populated all the corners of the earth. And uh, I, yeah. what, what I really like, Ken, uh, is the fact that uh, here recently, I don't know if you've even had a chance to see it. I don't know how frequently you watch CNN the most ridiculous name in propaganda. But, uh, Clinton News Network, yeah. But uh, good old uh, Mr. Don LeMond, he's managed to avoid <laughs> being fired, but he's kind of got a bit of a demotion. He got moved to the morning show. <laughs> he doesn't have his own primetime <laughs> show anymore. But what's been kind of fun uh, there, Ken, is the fact that He's had a couple of guests here recently who've been kind of pushing back against him, which is way more than he's used to. Now, I really loved uh, the uh, lady from uh, Britain when John was trying to talk her into admitting that uh, after Queen Elizabeth's passing, that the monarchy and uh, UK in general owed people reparations. And she quickly said, well, yes, you need to go back to the start of the supply chain. Uh, those are the folks that owe the reparations. Those tribal chiefs and kings throughout uh, Africa that were enslaving their people and selling them everywhere. They owe a lot of people. I love that. Uh, oh, I mean, man. Just burned him right there. Uh, schooled That's him. funny. But what was uh, not quite as dramatic, but just as obvious that he didn't appreciate it, is just the other day he had somebody uh, who is a weather expert on talking about uh, – everything potentially coming on with Ian and uh, he wanted to talk climate change and 
And he tried to, to politely steer him away from climate change, said that that would be a different conversation for another time. And Don Lemon wouldn't let it go. He said, what I hear you saying is you want to talk about uh, climate change. So how much is climate change playing into this? And uh, he just explained to him, it's like, uh, weather is not climate. <laughs> climate is not weather. Uh, you can't, you cannot take a single instance and... He said that maybe you can talk over time uh, how much the actual changes in climate may be adding up, but to take a single weather incident and attribute it to climate change is not something I would advise. Again, he was trying to be very polite to him, but it was still very oh matter of the goodness. fact. It's like, uh, you know, it was, and even this little bit's more pushback than uh, he's gotten in a long time. But of course, Don couldn't let that go either. He's like, well, I'm from Florida, and I know that something's making it worse. It's like, well, maybe the fact that you were from there is what made it worse. Don, that's the only thing I can think of. Mr. Lamont, anyway, completely off uh, topic, but I, I just... you Look, Don, you live on a peninsula that runs out into the middle of the ocean. <laughs> Usually around August, we start getting tropical depressions off the west coast of Africa, that spin around and turn into hurricanes and you're in the path of the hurricane. So what do you want us to say? You know? <laughs> yeah. Again, not, not <laughs> never has been accused of being the brightest bulb in the, uh, the light socket. All right. Let me, let me throw one more scenario with uh, the pipeline here at you uh, and get your thoughts there before we change such subjects topics completely to the uh, midterms and that is we've we've looked at uh the two major parties that are being accused and then we even threw in the third option of china in there and you've addressed all that but there is a fourth option now obviously this isn't some just run-of-the-mill average eco pirate uh but you know we have these eco terrorists and i could see somebody like a um well you know a george soros type not necessarily, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, George Soros himself, but somebody with a lot of money who likes to cause trouble, who thinks it would just be fun, who might fund somebody's efforts, might get their hands on some illicit technology to sneak in. What do you think the likelihood of this being an eco-terrorism uh, event that w just had some high-level funding from somebody like a Soros? Is that even within I, the realm? I, I don't think so and the reason is is the the uh just the machinery needed to do it yeah. i mean you you've got to have something pretty substantial it's like a world war ii submarine could never go to the depths that that thing was at now i don't know i gotta confess i do not know the exact depth that that pipeline was at you know matter of fact i'll probably look that up here in a little bit but uh, I know it's in the middle of the Baltic Sea, and I know the Baltic Sea is pretty doggone deep. So I got to believe that it's modern technology that did that. Plus, again, it doesn't benefit them because they knew if they blew it up, it was going to emit all of this methane gas. I mean, everybody knows what was in these pipelines. And the methane gas kills billions of fish and whatever else it hits. And it's even bubbling up on the surface now. They've got pictures of that. So 
and methane gas is bad stuff. So I, I don't think it would have been anybody that was eco-friendly that would have been willing to do that. Just my initial thoughts. Right. And, and that's perfectly legit. But again, that's assuming, uh, Ken, and, and we, we do know what happens when you assume. Sometimes it's a, a bad thing. But uh, that is assuming that these are people that have well thought out their plans and understand the repercussions to their actions. As we also know, uh, a lot of the folks that are out here willing to commit acts of terrorism in the name of the green, they don't always think things through. They don't always That's fully true. understand the repercussions. And sometimes they get worked up by somebody else pulling the strings that just kind of say, all right, uh, here, let me wind you up and then turn you loose, uh, pointed in the general direction of what I want you to go do. So I do think that there are some folks that would have been under the guise of you're going to save the world by showing everybody how dangerous petrofuel really is. This will be that final straw that wakes up the world. And you know there's some college kid somewhere, uh, probably a college dropout more likely, that would buy into that and would want to go be the hero. Um, I just, again... I like you said, the technology still becomes the main issue is what makes it most likely. And I'm just trying to play out some of these different scenarios that I've heard people throw sure, out there. Absolutely. Uh, and well, we'll be finding out uh, yeah. here shortly who did this. Cause I, I would guarantee you Putin will figure it out and he will let the world know. Yeah. And there will be repercussions to whoever did this there will be reprisals, I can promise you. Right. Putin isn't going to let this go unanswered. I, I do believe that, and I do believe the world just got a whole lot more dangerous because of this event. There's no question there. I just, Absolutely. Uh... All right, so that's the first part of my conversation with Ken. Uh, the rest of the conversation will take place in hour number two. Uh, if you're listening on Terrestrial Radio, I've got to say goodbye to you for now. However, the remainder of the conversation is an hour number two, and that is an hour that's typically only available for the podcast. So come and find the podcast and give it a listen as I continue my conversation with Ken Crow. In the meanwhile, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort, and most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. From a blue state clan Taught to praise the little man Told that union saved the working class He was raised a red state son To love the flag and own a gun Warned about the greed within the mass They met beneath the moonlit sky A college party drunk and high And when they had degrees They said their vows couldn't say when, he couldn't say how, he couldn't say why, she was different in his eyes. They built careers and had a kid, tried to live like their parents did, but both their parties taxed them close to death. 
Learn to hate the public schools. Watch TV making fools. While trial lawyers looted what was left. She, she couldn't say when. She couldn't say how. She couldn't say why. He was different in her eyes. Saw them years ago. A happy little cabin. I do not view abortion as a uh, um, as a choice and a right. I think it's always a tragedy, and I think that uh, it should be uh, rare and safe. And I think we should be focusing on how to limit the number of abortions. The USA is in a crucial stage. Because of foreign wars we wage Has more to do with the colors blue and red Too many laws and too much government Can you tell me where the Constitution went? The Bill of Rights is just hanging by a thread So many people trying to cross the border And politicians build a new world order Too many minds are convinced they should be led Gotta be free the way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damn UN. Taking your right to self-defense, they say you're safer, but they don't make sense. Dangerous ones will not turn into guns. All the unions always ask for more. Is made on foreign shores. Come a day when there'll be real hell pay. I've gotta be free the way God made men, and I won't be ruled by the damn UN. Welcome to today's broadcast of Tapping to the Truth. Hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are and whatever you may be doing. With all the usual caveats, of course. Along with additional caveats that I... Uh, not that I'm hoping you're not having a fantastic day, but that I understand you probably aren't. That, of course, is going out to our friends and neighbors uh, in the great state of Florida that is dealing with uh, the continuing issues of Hurricane Ian. All right, I was having a conversation with Mr. Ken Crow earlier, and uh, if you heard our number one, then you heard the first part of that conversation. I'm going to go ahead and bring you the other two parts of that conversation, and if time allows, meaning I'm going to have to hurry up and shut up right now, 
Also want to talk to you a little bit about a brand new level of silliness that AOC has brought to our life. In the meanwhile, here is that continuation of the conversation with Mr. Ken Crow. All right, uh, Ken, what do you say we change topics? Uh, let's let's take a look at Go for it. the uh, the upcoming midterm elections. But before we do that, I want to give you an opportunity to remind everybody where they can find your work. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's pretty easy. It's uh, conservativedailybriefing.com. And I'm at, at KWR as in Kilo Whiskey Romeo Crow, C-R-O-W, on Twitter. I don't do Instagram and all those. I'm not photogenic enough for any of that. So, <laughs> Well, as you well know, I try to avoid a lot of my own pictures on social media when I can help it. But every now and then, for promotional purposes, I kind of have to. Uh, I did want to give a shout-out, too. I mentioned it uh, at the intro. Uh, but it seems like uh, some of your writing is showing up at least as frequently over at America's Voice News. Uh, so, uh, again, yeah, kids. real America's Voice News. Yeah, they're they're picking it up and publishing quite a bit of it. As a matter of fact, yeah, and, uh, and I even people. made the top banner thing the other day. Huh? <laughs> I even had my article about Joe Biden starting World War Three at the top because <laughs> I'm convinced that's what he's doing. So, yeah. Yeah, those those pieces you've been writing that they've been picking up, uh, uh, top-notch quality stuff, sir. And kudos and congratulations. Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, I, I got to brag for one second. I wrote an article here. Oh, it's been about three weeks ago. And I've forgotten the topic now off the top of my head. But I wrote this article, and I got this call from a fellow that I know in Michigan that's real good friends with this lady who read my article. And she called him up and said, hey, have you read this article? Because I wrote it on some Michigan politics. I remember that much. So she read it. And when she read it, she called him up and asked him if he had read it. He said, yes. She said, you know, I, I read articles all day, every day. That is the best written article I've read in over 20 years. And he said, really? And he calls me up and he tells me this story and says, do you know who this lady is or was? She just retired. I said, I haven't a clue. Don't even know her name. He said, she is the Dean of Literature at Notre Dame University. <laughs> I said, oh, my God. You, the Dean of Literature at Notre Dame? She said it was perfectly punctuated, very well articulated. It was laid out correctly. And I mean, just praised it. And I asked him to call her back and asked her if she wouldn't submit it for a Pulitzer for me. <laughs> I don't know if she will or not, but yeah, it was it was quite an honor, and I was very humbled and flattered by that. So, well, that is phenomenal. I had very high praise, especially when you consider where it's from. But yeah, I've I've been yeah. enjoying. I, as you know, uh, Ken, I've enjoyed a lot of your articles over the years, <laughs> even when you were still uh, just barely uh, doing the micro blogging as you were kicking off Crow's Next Politics. Uh, which is uh, you were doing that when we first started uh, actually communicating sure. back and forth. 
and uh, you you've got a knack you've got a flair you are very good at it sir and just to continue well, to see you I'm very flattered you you continue to get better at it. a lot of people they get to that point where all the things you've done and all the work you do that you kind of start going through the motions not you you are still getting better so so i mean fantastic oh, job and keep it you. up keep it up thank you sir so much but uh I, yeah, you're doing the work. I'm sir. humbled. Yeah. Well, thank you. You are doing the work. Now, about these midterm elections, can is it, first of all, does it matter? Is it already too late to save our republic? Because it's getting scary. No, I, I don't think it's too late to save our republic, but it's going to take a lot of work on a lot of true by a lot of true patriotic people because the Republican party has gravitated so far to the left that they're now using the term uniparty, which is pretty tragic, but that's the term I've been hearing lately because there's doesn't seem to be a difference between Mitch McConnell and Chuck Schumer anymore. You know, they seem to be brothers separated by different mothers, but, uh, it, it's it, it's getting bad. It is getting bad. It is. And what my fear is, is that we've got 50% of the population or almost that's reliant upon the government now for their very survival in one fashion or another. And now you've got all the college kids that are getting their loans paid off. And I mean, just on and on it goes. And sooner or later, you're going to have a population that's totally, basically controlled by the government, you know, for their very survival for food and housing and everything else. So, yeah, I'm becoming very concerned. The the self-worth, the self-integrity, the, the willpower to be, you know, survive on your own and all that seems to be leaving our country it doesn't seem to be we're we're not teaching our youth anymore to uh be self-sufficient you know do what uncle sam says to do you know behave yourselves do what they tell you to do wear a mask you know get a shot and on and on it goes and and i am very very concerned yes well i mean it's hard not to be you're absolutely right. We've been talking a lot about uh, self-reliance here on the show. With It seems like it comes up, even if it's not the intended topic, with just about every guest I've had so far this year. Uh, we Whether we're talking about the economy or whether we're talking about uh, this freaking culture war trying to protect children from... Uh, what I think a fair word is groomer. I know folks on the left go nuts when we use the word, but some of these things that these folks are doing is grooming, uh, trying oh, to make no question. And, and you know, we keep coming back around to self uh, sufficiency, being self reliant. The very concept of liberty itself is almost lost because, again, everybody talks about freedom, and very few people talk about liberty and. That's because liberty is freedom with responsibility. 
And if you're not willing to have that responsibility, you're not going to have freedom for very long. You have to be prepared to stand up and do these things yourself. But uh, how are things looking? I mean, obviously, we need for enough good Republicans. And by that, I mean uh, people that are conservative and are going to stand up for the principles and not worry so much about the media attacking them and the names that are going to get called. We need them to stand up and put the brakes on what the Biden administration is trying to do because we see them put us into an economic shambles and they continue to double, triple, quadruple down on the very things that have us in the bad shape in the first place. Uh, what is the likelihood right now? Because we saw the left get energized a little bit after Roe v. Wade got overturned in the Dobbs decision. But I think that excitement's starting to pare back down. And I think now that gas prices are starting to creep back up in a few places, it's starting to set in that this inflation is really starting to hurt a lot of folks. Uh, I mentioned earlier back in the first segment that there's going to start being serious food shortages in parts of the country. We haven't seen it yet, but it's coming. Uh, so again, like you, smart enough to grow some of your own stuff. Hope you were uh, canning and freezing and prepping to have some down the road because we're all oh. going to need it. Uh, oh, mama bought a book on how to do all that, and she was doing it. So <laughs> if nothing else, we'll have a lot of beans, potatoes, and tomatoes. <laughs> well, i tell you what, I, so. I, I know I haven't talked much about it with you, sir, but when I was a young lad of about six and seven, um, that was our winter food because that's what we grew in the summer. And that, that's, that was it. The, the money that's how we stretched it, that we didn't have a whole lot, which is part of why I'm so freaking conservative now. I think it's hilarious. You see a lot of folks talk about, oh, conservatives are all the rich people. It's like, no, conservatives are the folks that understand you need to be prepared to stand on your own. Don't count on the government. But as far as these people that we need in place, uh, how are these races starting to look? Because we've seen them all over the place. Um, I, one of the races a lot of folks are... Uh, focusing on, for example, is the uh, Philadelphia Senate race. Uh, we're talking about Mehmet Oz and then uh, Mr. Hoodie, uh, who's had the stroke. I can't think of his name you right mean, that, That's Uncle Fester. Uncle Fester. Uh, well, that's as good a name as any. Uh, <laughs> Fetterman's his name, Fetterman. Yes, that is right. I, just, I couldn't get it uh, past the tip of my tongue. But you know, we're, look at, we're looking at Fetterman. We're looking at Oz. Now, Oz, I've never thought was a great conservative per se based on his past. But he, a lot like Donald Trump, is one of these folks that lived in the leftist world and I think has started to really be awoke to how dangerous being woke is. Uh, and I think he's becoming a good conservative with some work to do. Um, what's your thoughts on that particular race? Well, all the numbers I have seen lately, and of course, you know what those are like, but everything I've seen lately is, believe it or not, Fetterman's leading Dr. Oz, and this brings us back to our buddy from Kentucky, Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell pulled $8 million in advertising out of that race for Dr. Oz. And he pulled millions out of the race for J.D. Vance in Ohio. He pulled millions out of the uh, football player from Georgia, Herschel Walker, thank you, okay. uh, uh, pulled millions out of his race. So 
In other words, everybody that was endorsed by Donald Trump, he's pulled the funding from. And that, to me, is reprehensible because those guys are still Republicans. They're supposed to be part of your party there, Senator McConnell. And he's pulling their funding, the GOP, you know, where the uh, Senate, they, they have different accounts up there, but they've got the Senate account and they've got the House account and what have you, where they help out congressmen uh, after you win your primary. And uh, he's pulled all that money. And you got to ask yourself why, because those were three very winnable seats. I mean, Herschel Walker is a national hero in Georgia. Yeah. You know, he, he walks on water in Georgia for all intents and purposes. And, and you're up against a confessed socialist Marxist and Raphael Warnock and you're tied and you're pulling his funding or really, are you serious? And yes, he is. And he did it. Yeah. So I am livid. We've all but given back the Senate. Only this time it won't be 50-50. It'll be more like 52-48 Democrats. <laughs> and it, it's it's infuriating to me. It's absolutely infuriating. And the GOP's doing the same thing on the House side in a lot of these races. Everybody that Trump's gone around the country supporting they're pulling the funding from them. In Michigan, even little Tudor Dixon, who really wasn't, Trump didn't go in and endorse until like three days before the primary there, uh, before she won the primary. Uh, they've even pulled her funding, and now she's going to be beaten by the evil Gretchen Whitmer. Gretchen's got like a 20-point lead on her in Michigan. It's going to be a thrashing up there. And it's a shame because she could have won that with the support of the Republican Party, and they're not supporting her. So is this strictly a Trump endorsement thing, or is this a January 6th adjacent thing, or a combination of the two? Or is it just Mitch McConnell not happy that – uh, if Donald Trump says, hey, I'm running again, he automatically becomes the de facto leader of the party again, a kind of a this is my territory, go away now kind of deal. Uh, or maybe a combination of all those. What what do you think is actually going on there? I honestly think it's uh, Trump, go away. We don't want you. We don't want your endorsees. We don't want anything to do with you. Get your butt out of here type thing. Your yeah. days are over. And that's what I honestly think is going on because I honestly believe they're going to indict him yeah. on some pretty heavy-duty charges. And when they do, his political career is pretty much over with. It's 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 waning now. Yeah. It's uh, He doesn't have near the support now that he did a year ago. And I've got my reasons why I think that's the case. But... Uh, at any rate, it's uh, I think it's uh, it's retribution. I really do. I think it's retribution against Donald Trump and everything he stood for, everything he stands for. Mitch McConnell would rather be the minority leader and have total control over the party 
rather than give any of that up and be in the majority. I, I really believe that. And, and have somebody else as the most powerful person in the party. Yeah. Well, you know, he still has to be concerned about somebody as popular as a Ron DeSantis would be. Uh, if DeSantis fills that void, uh, you know, it's still going to kind of depend on what the, the public perception is and how well he handles recovery from <clears throat> the current hurricane. Excuse me. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Uh, and, but outside of that, he has that same type of general popularity, uh, I think, within the party. And he's done one thing that Trump has kind of uh, not done. And that is he's taken a lot of his excess campaign funds from the war chest and distributed that to other candidates within the party. Uh, is there any reason you can think of why Donald Trump didn't take some of that excess fundraising? Because he did a phenomenal job of fundraising, and why he's maybe not using some oh, of that fund to help some of his he's, endorsed he's candidates. Right, he has raped the Republican donor base. I'm yeah. talking hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars over the last two years. He has a phenomenal war chest. It's staggering how much money he's got. And he's taken all of those 20 and $50 donations as well as the big fundraisers. Yeah. <clears throat> and I'm going to, I'm going to tell, I'm going to throw a wrench out here. I don't think DeSantis wins the nomination. I don't think Trump does either. Okay. Now ask me who. <laughs> you know, I have to. We can't just leave that hanging. Well, we'll wait till after the midterms to get Ken Soss. Now, I know, Ken. <laughs> who's going to get the nomination if these guys aren't the, the people? I think Ted Cruz is going to be your nominee. Really? Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you why. Because Cruz hasn't made any of the socially toxic faux pas that DeSantis has made. Yeah, we, you and I like some of the stuff he's done, <laughs> but the majority of the public does not. And he, you know, where he all but attacked the LGBTQ XYZ crowd down there with Disney and all that. It's just, he's been on the fringe of so many topics that I think it's going to, yeah, it'll win him re-election in Florida, but winning him Wisconsin, no. Pennsylvania, no. Ohio, no. Michigan, absolutely not. And on and on it goes. He'll do well in the southern states, South Carolina, Florida, Georgia, Mississippi, places like that. But as far as winning your northern tier, your big block states, and uh, Colorado and places like that, New Mexico, no. Uh -uh. I'm talking about for delegates for the National Convention for, you know, winning the nomination. Right. right. Um, he, he won't, and he definitely won't win California. I, so I, I don't see how DeSantis wins the, the primaries of the nomination. I really don't. Ted Cruz is more centrist when it comes to some of that stuff. 
and he's every bit as articulate. He's very charismatic. You know, had it been anybody else other than Trump in 16, Cruz would have won the nomination. Yeah. He, yeah in I, fact, he was second place. Yeah, I have no doubt about that either. I mean, he, he is that statesman that we typically would like to have representing conservative values. He is an expert at debating. He makes the points without embarrassing his opponents. Uh, right. I, I think he makes for a great candidate. He really does. Uh, I just, I like DeSantis. I think and, DeSantis has a lot of great uh, positives because he fights. He's appealing to the populist base, but he is more of a statesman in how he goes about it. And I think he's better at messaging than uh, uh, that Donald was because, you know, Donald, he likes to shoot from the hip and he likes to, to say things that he likes to, to think is funny and, and he's a funny guy. Uh, there's no doubt about it, but it, that does turn oh, yeah. off. Uh, so, well, let me ask you a question. Okay. If you're if you're Ron DeSantis and you're on the stage with Gavin Newsom or Pete Buttigieg, which Pete's gonna it looks like he's gonna run as well as we already know Newsom's running. What are you gonna do when they turn around and call you homophobic and all that? Because they're going to label him as being homophobic, a misogynist, blah, 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 which are the catchphrase words for the Democrat Party right. to insult you. They're going to label him as all that because of his actions in Florida with education and transgenders and Disney and on and on and on. They're going to tag him with all that. And it's something he's not going to be able to overcome. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm, so, I'm, I don't doubt your wisdom in this area. Again, this is your area of expertise, and you know way more about it than I do. So I'm not going to say, well, Ken, you're just no. wrong, <laughs> which I wouldn't well, do anyway. Let me, but. let me tell you, I got plenty of my comrades on the conservative side of the fence that are disagreeing with me. Right. But. I, in fact, I've got a great one in Michigan that I spent an hour and a half with on the phone last night who ran for U.S. Congress, mm-hmm. and he lost in the primary. And I had told him last year why he would lose. I said, if you do this, and if this is your campaign rhetoric, you're going to be beaten. And his answer was, no, we've got a lot of patriots in this. I said, yeah, they're patriots, but you got to understand. And this is what I told him. I said, a Republican in Michigan is different than a Republican in Alabama. Right. Or Tennessee or Mississippi or someplace like that. I said, they're two different animals. They're not even remotely close to being similar. A Republican in Michigan is much more moderate, and as is Wisconsin, Ohio, and the rest of them up there. They're much more moderate. Call them Yankee Republicans. There you go. They're they're not they're they're not driving the Ford pickup, flying the crossbar flag in the back with the Trump flag and all that, and uh, let's go Brandon flag. You know. Which is uh, why we don't like those folks in these parts, Ken. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're not. They're they're not quite as that far right. Okay, right. Whereas they are down south. And I said, you're 
your rhetoric needs to go to Texas is where you need to be, not not Michigan. Well, he ran this twice in two elections and lost both times. Last night he said, well, you're my campaign manager if I decide to do this again. <laughs> well, and, and it's true. It, yeah. It's true. You you have, it's like the Democrats in California are not the Democrats in Texas. Yeah. The Democrats in Texas are more, I guess for a lack of better description, JFK type Democrats or the original Bill Clinton Democrats. Uh, they're, they're not like the left fringe wackos that you see now in California. Well, as long as you're outside of Houston and Fort Worth, if you're in the Dallas, Fort Worth or the Houston areas, those folks are legit California transplants. So they are. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) But when you get out into rural Texas, yes, you're absolutely right. But the the one point I wanted to make about, uh, DeSantis' ability to deal with this is his messaging is better, and he has managed to take Florida that for the longest time was a purple state at its best, and he's turned yeah. it. He's turned yeah. it into a deep red state by virtue of demonstrating uh, exactly how conservative governance is supposed to work. And I do think he's better at messaging than a lot of people in the party. So I do think that he has the answer. Uh, and, and can push back at an appropriate level without turning off a lot of voters, just like uh, when uh, this reporter uh, addressed him just, uh, what was it, yesterday, day before yesterday, trying to claim that uh, people were complaining about the uh, lack of uh, effort at being ready for the hurricane. And he, he shut down the reporter, told him it's being ridiculous. It's like, hey, this you're you're you want to attack me i get it but you're attacking all these other people that have done a lot of hard work some of those people happen to be democrats by the way and he manages to take up for folks in a way that he gets that message across much much better and i think if they can be coherent in the messaging and can get the message because can i i i swear to you i ran into somebody just yesterday who still believes the uh, so-called don't say gay bill literally tried to ban the word gay in schools through the whole state of Florida. They still do not have any clue what's there. And so as people find out the truth, uh, and hopefully enough of them do, I think he would have more success than a lot of people would ordinarily get credit for. But Hey, like Tim, I, said, I could be totally wrong, and I got to tell you, I am not anti-DeSantis at all. I right. like the guy. Yeah. I think he's slick. He's a breath of fresh air. He's got a lovely wife, a lovely family. I particularly like him because he was in the Navy where I was at. And, you know, so we we support our own, kind of like Marines, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and I like the guy. I don't have a problem with him. I'm, I'm just analyzing and wondering if he can pull the messaging off in some of these northern states without having some of his Floridian rhetoric hung around his neck. Right. That's what I'm wondering, if he can do that. And, if he and, can do that, I think he'll go far if he decides to pull the trigger and run. Yeah. Well, you know, again, like I said before I made that point, uh, I, I do not question your wisdom when it comes to campaigns. You, you, 
you know what you are talking about. And we know that it's an uphill climb. If you have an R at the end of your name, it's an uphill climb to overcome the media. Uh, the majority of the mainstream oh, legacy yeah. media is instantly against you, and they, they're not above telling lies. I mean, when you're preemptively trying to blame DeSantis for the hurricane response two days before landfall, clearly you know what the narrative is going to be. And it's just, that's the situation. You have to know. But he has been pretty good about messaging for the folks that are there. I would like to believe that. Uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, uh, Cruz is not a bad candidate. He is the statesman. So, I mean, I would not be opposed to him being that guy. Uh, you know, there are other reasons why I constitutionally question the legitimacy of the natural-born uh, citizen status, uh, and, and yeah, I'm one of those guys, Ken. Sorry, but uh, <laughs> for, for the most part, though, I, I would like to see us just return to the Constitution. But circling back around to the midterms, uh, oh, we, you're not going to gin Fasaki on me, are you? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, obviously. I wish we we I wish we could circle back to Saki because this uh, Corinne Jean Pierre chick. She's, oh God! She's so bad at this job. What I, a joke! <laughs> I've legitimately started feeling bad for her because now. Oh yeah, just, little Deucey just chews her up, man. <laughs> yeah, and, and he's not even trying. No, he's being nice to her. <laughs> he, he says, "I'm just trying to ask you a straightforward question, and that's too much." But <laughs> in the process of pulling my Jen Saki. Um, you mentioned uh, the Warnock uh, race with Herschel uh, uh, Walker, uh, and uh, you mentioned a couple others. But the thing is, most recent polling still shows a tightening in that race uh, with uh, Herschel Walker and uh, Warnock. There's a tightening between uh, Oz and Fetterman where it's getting closer, where I think a lot of voters are starting to get nervous about Fetterman's inability to debate. Although he did a really great job of explaining how the Eagles are better than the Eagles. Uh, the guy's clearly not fit. I mean, he's like, a, <laughs> and, and I don't want to sound like I'm being mean to a guy who's got a legitimate medical condition. The guy's still recovering from a stroke, but he's clearly not fit to hold the office right now. And they need to recognize that. I think some folks are. Is there any chance at all that you legitimately see? Because you basically said earlier, sounded like you were saying you've written off the midterms for the Senate completely. Is there any way that these two races still break Republican? In well, it, it, well, see, you've also got Arizona. And Arizona has clearly gone. They're, they're leaning heavily toward Kelly being reelected out there, the astronaut. And that doesn't look like, and originally we thought that would be in the win column for the Republicans. We thought Pennsylvania would be. We thought, you know, I've forgotten who the candidate was that was running against Dr. Oz, but he was really, really good. And I really wish the president would have endorsed him instead of Dr. Oz. Because yeah. one of the things that's hurting Dr. Oz is he's actually a New Jersey resident, and he moved across the river in Pennsylvania so he could run for the Senate, and everybody there is calling him a carpetbagger, and that's hurting him yeah. because he's not native Pennsylvanian. Uh, 
he's not native Keystone, if you will. So, um, no, I, I, I think we're going to lose the Senate. I really do. I don't see how we're going to win it. We've got, because uh, J.D. Vance was in the lead. Now he's tied or under his opponent in in uh, Ohio. And, uh, yeah, we're losing, uh, we're losing in Arizona big time now. I, yeah, I'm concerned, Tim. I really am. I'm concerned. Yeah. It's going to be very, very close. Well, Ken, I, I don't have you on to just spoon feed me good news, but I, I am always hopeful. I, I just, I, I very rarely get it from you, sir. <laughs> well, I, I think we'll win the house back. We're not going to win by the margins that we thought we were. If you had asked me four or five months ago, I'd have said, oh, Tim, we're going to win by 60 seats. No, not now. This Roe v. Wade thing has hurt us. It really has. And I've said, and I've counseled my, even though I'm pro-life, I have counseled my candidates over the years, stay away from abortion. Stay away from it. It's a no-win topic. And why the Republicans keep pounding at home, I do not know. Because over 60%, if you poll the American people, over because remember, we had Roe v. Wade for over 50 years, okay? You're talking about two, almost three generations now. And over 60% of those, and you go to millennials and the Gen Xers or whatever they're called after the millennials, um, you go to them and the percentages are much higher than that. that believe a woman has a right to choose and the government needs to stay out of it. Now, the Supreme Court did not outlaw abortion. Right. But that's what the Democrats are pushing. That's the narrative, okay? And we've got to save it. We've got to save it. And it's mobilized all these people that may not have voted before. And when you've got over 60% of the population believing something, that's now a big deal, okay? And this Roe v. Wade thing is a big deal. And there's a lot of money being put behind it. And a lot of these races, even though these congressmen have nothing to do with it, the senators have nothing to do with it. It doesn't matter. The Democrats are pushing this narrative and that you have to vote Democrat to save your right to have an abortion, even though we know it's a bunch of crap. All the Supreme Court did was said, nah, federal government, you need to stay out of it. This is a state issue. And let the states decide. And that's all it was. Mm-hmm. But not according to the Democrats' narrative. And the American people do not pay close enough attention. And that's part of our big problem. Our society is all driven by texting and Instagram and and uh, TikTok and all this stuff today. People are more interested in that than really and truly doing any research and finding out the truth of the news. They're not, they're not doing that. So you can sell a message, anything, anything you want to sell today, you can sell it because the American people don't pay attention. That's true. And that is one of our biggest problems we've got in this country is an uninformed voter going to the voting booth. 
I'm to the point where I think you should ask him a pop quiz to be able to vote. Yeah, I've I've said the same thing before. I I, I honestly think you should be able to at least uh, name who the current vice president is and what their constitutional role is. And if you can't uh, answer that question, um, you don't get to vote in the federal election. If you don't know who your governor is, maybe you shouldn't be voting in the state election. Uh, you, you need to have a basic fundamental understanding before you're allowed to show up and vote for a single issue or just downvote because somebody's got a certain letter at the end of their name. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scare the hell out of you. Right. You know, you can ask a hundred people on the street, who's your United States congressman? And did you know that only about 30% of them can tell you? Oh, yeah. I'm surprised. The, it's guy that that, the guy that wins the race for Congress is the guy that's got the most yard signs out Damn. and the most television advertisements because people will remember the name and that's it. If you're able to get the name in front of them enough times, you have to do seven impressions of television before people will even remember the candidate's name. They won't necessarily know what he's running for, but they'll remember the name. And 60, I believe it's 65, 68%. Now, not all states have it, but most do. Where uh, you do want to check one box and then walk out and that's all R or all D and, and they, and they do that. They have no idea who they're voting for. They have no idea what, what positions they are running for. Most people don't. And I go back to uninformed voters are killing this nation. They truly are. I would almost prefer to see voting booths set up where you have no idea what the party affiliation is if you don't know who the candidate is. <laughs> I would agree with that. I think we need to go back to the rule that we used to have in this country, that if you were not a par property owner, you couldn't vote. You had to be a property owner to be able to vote. Right, uh, because you have to have skin in the game to care enough about what these people are doing exactly. with your, your taxpayer dollars. If you're somebody that's receiving, well, thank you. If, so my wife's brought me a cup of coffee, isn't she sweet? She is. That's awesome. Yeah. And you know what? Speaking of, um, I realize now I'd asked for about thirty minutes, uh, Ken, and we've been talking for better than an hour. <laughs> so, uh, you're fine, brother. Make two shows out of it. I, I very well you're might. You're not bothering me. You're not bothering me a bit. We can keep talking if you want to. It's all up to you. Well, I do need to kind of start winding things down because I've got to, okay. to get these uh, segments I edited got... and put in. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. My name's Joe Biden. All of this, as more than half of Americans think President Biden will go down as one of the worst presidents in American history. I keep forgetting I'm president.
When government officials must resort to lying on their political opposition, the only logical conclusion is that they do not care about the well-being of this republic. Hello, I'm Ron Edwards. On today's page from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. Since January 6, 2021, elitist Republicans and leftist Democrats have been giving a Roman-style thumbs-down to individuals who were in Washington, D.C. on January 6th. Some of them who remained in the gulag prisons never, ever entered into the Capitol building. One of the January 6th patriots, Jim Caldwell, never went into the Capitol, but yet he was arrested at 4 a.m. in the morning, taken to prison and tortured. They released him because he almost died. The same January 6th committee had no problem in 2020 when Antifa and BLM thugs were burning cities, destroying minority-owned businesses, etc. Just recently, the J6 committee released an audio they claimed to be Oath Keepers at the Capitol sharing intelligence. Turns out that the J6 committee accusations are a lie and that it was a recording of people watching the news on television. Thus, the J6 committee deserves to be completely discredited and the release of all January 6 political prisoners should commence immediately. I'm Ron Edwards. Sponsored by the Tri-County Liberty Coalition. What in the hell's diversity? <clears throat> well, I, I could be wrong, but I believe uh, diversity is an old, old wooden ship that was used during the Civil War era. Constitutional Grounds, the hot air roasted coffee that produces a smoother, richer, healthier, and less acetic coffee. Our unique hot air roasted coffee has a most delicious taste that everyone is raving about. Because you want the best, Constitutional Grounds is the coffee you want in your cup. Simply go to theronedwards.com and click on to the Constitutional Grounds coffee display to make your purchase and to be sure to use the RE20 promo code and you will receive a 20% discount. Remember, Constitutional Grounds, the coffee you want in your cup. You're listening to Tap Into The Truth. Hey, Joe. They say building back make America great. If that's a wave of the future, all I've got to say, stick your progress where the sun don't shine. Keep your big mess away from me and mine. If you leave us alone, well, we'd all be just fine. Hey, do you own a small business and you're looking to expand, or are you looking to uh, bring a brand new startup to market, uh, the economy makes it kind of tough right now, and traditional investment sources are drying up quickly, uh, I would recommend checking out StartEngine. Crowdfunding is certainly a plausible, viable way for folks to gain capital for bringing their startups to market and for expanding their existing business. Follow the link in today's show description and visit StartEngine.com and see if they might be the solution for you. I've got one more thing that's huge that I need to tell you about. Go right ahead then. You know, you brought up, you brought, I'm going to tell you how corrupted our, our people are in this country today. We discovered something recently. I'm going to bring up Michigan again because this happened in Michigan. Um, you, you brought up the World Economic Forum. Mm-hmm. 
And here recently, about it's been three weeks ago now, I guess, maybe four, I don't know, three, four weeks ago, they had the Republican convention in Lansing in Michigan for the state convention. And that's where they elect all their delegates and everything for the coming election and the coming year and blah, blah, blah. And they reelect the party chair and so on and so forth. Well, it came out up there. Somebody did some deep digging. And it was the folks from Hillsdale that did it. Some folks that live down in Hillsdale County that's part of the Republican Party. And you know the famous Hillsdale University, right? Right. Well, that's where it's all located. These guys did some digging and come to find out the guy that runs. In fact, what I'm fixing to tell you could actually almost be headlines for you. The guy that runs the Michigan Republican Party is a billionaire. His name's Ron Weiser. And he bought a bunch of property in a place called Troy, Michigan. And he bought it. And his partner was Betsy DeVos. Now I don't know if you remember that name from the Trump or from the Trump administration, but yeah. she was Secretary of Education. Secretary of Education, yeah. She was made Secretary of Education because of her funding of the Republican Party. She too is a billionaire. Her husband is one of the brothers that started Amway. And they own a lot of other stuff other than Amway today. And they're, so you got these two billionaires. They bought this big track of land at Troy, Michigan. And the purpose of it was to bring in and make the world headquarters for the Atlantic Council, which is part of the World Economic Forum. Hmm. So when you hear the term globalist, our Republican Party is neck deep in it. And Betsy DeVos propped up Tudor Dixon, who was doing pretty well, then pulled the rug out from under her to ensure that Whitmer would win. And this is a commonly known thing in in Michigan. Now, why do they want Whitmer to win? You got to ask yourself that. Because Whitmer is part of the globalist. So, the Republican Party in Michigan. Now, when the Patriots found out about this, I'll call them Patriots, the grassroots rose up, booed DeVos out of the the convention center, booed Weiser out of the convention center, and elected 86% of them are grassroots Patriots. They took over the Republican Party in Michigan. But they couldn't get rid of Weiser yet. They're getting rid of him in January. But he is the one controlling the purse strings. Mm-hmm. So he's making sure that DePerno and, and doesn't win the AG's position. Tudor doesn't win the governor's mansion. And the secretary of state's going to remain Democrat. He's making sure that they win those seats back so that he can further his Atlantic Council and bring the World Economic Forum into. Look look up the Atlantic Council on Google and read who they are and what they are and who they're affiliated. I mean, they're a major arm of the World Economic Forum. So that's how deep 
our politics go in this country today. I mean, they are Chow, Klaus Schwab, who runs the World Economic Forum. The American people need to Google this guy and pull him up on YouTube and listen to his speeches because he is bent on destroying the United States as we know it. And not just us. He's taken down Canada. He's taken down. And the entire purpose of the Great Reset is to redistribute wealth. He's taking the wealthiest countries, Britain, America, Canada, on and on, and stripping their wealth to prop up third world nations to equalize and make everything equal globally. It's one big socialist euphoria that they're creating with a one world government, if you want to get biblical. That's what this is all about. And it's not something that just started recently. This has been going on for decades. It's just that we've come to the point now to where it's noticeable. And people are going, oh, my God, this is real. Well, you know, they're not even hiding it anymore, Ken. At least least for a while, they did try to keep it hushed tones in private meetings. And now they're... They're announcing it to the world because they honestly believe we're past the point of being able to stop them. Uh, right. Yeah, it, it's everything that America represents. The, the individual liberties, the individual freedoms, your right to control your own destiny as much as any one man can. None of that is permissible under this ideology. And there's going to be a creme de la creme, a folks at the top, because every socialist situation always has the upper class, the bourgeois, and then the rest of us are going to be serfs. Uh, For anybody who hasn't read The Road to Serfdom, uh, you need to listen to Charles Schwab and then go read The Road to Serfdom. And if you have read it, but it's been a while, go refresh yourself, because right now, this is the path we're on, and it's the path they're trying to push us on. Uh, can we we have a government right now where we have an inflationary cycle that is so bad? It started the instant we took ourselves away from our status of being energy independent, and then started spending, spending, spending to the point that we had to create print more money, print more money, print more money. And everything that they're supposedly doing to help fight inflation actually just makes inflation worse. Everything. And now, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but over in the UK, uh, the Bank of England now is going to be uh, circulating a bunch of bonds. They're in the middle of a financial crisis. And again, that's it. More government spending uh, to inflate the cash flow to destroy the uh, the UK's economy, it it is by design. This isn't an I accident. Know. This isn't somebody not well, knowing what me, they're doing. Let me let me run one other thing at you, and and this is negative, and I'm sorry for that. I stood in the corner of the um, John Wayne Historical Museum in Winterset, Iowa snowy January day about five years ago, five and a half years ago, whatever, anyway. And I said, Mr. T, let me ask you a question. 
He said, sure, Ken, what do you got on your mind? And we were standing there talking privately. Nobody was listening to us. My mother was standing there. And uh, I asked him, I said, why are you doing this? I said, why not just go buy an island in Fiji, build a nice golf course and a nice home and call it a day? <laughs> I said, why are you doing this? And he answered my question with a question. He looked at me and he said, Ken, why do you think I'm doing this? And I said, well, sir, the only reason I can think of, and at the time our debt was at $24 trillion. And I said, the only reason I can think of that you'd be doing this and putting your family and yourself through this meat grinder is because you know that when we hit somewhere between 27 and $29 trillion, our dollar is going to begin collapsing for real. And one of these days, you're going to wake up and be bankrupt and not know why it happened or when it happened or where it happened. I said, that's why I think you're doing this, and I think you think you're the only one that can stop it. And that man looked me straight in the eyes and said, you're 100% correct. I'm the only one that can stop it. And you're 100% correct why I'm running for office. And he ran our debt to $29 trillion. And for that, I cannot forgive him. I don't care what the reasons are. He knew. He knew. He knew better than anybody. The man was a billionaire. He knew. And he's a monetary genius. It's hard to argue uh, any of that. Uh, I think as sad a place to leave it, I think that's pretty much where we need to for today, Ken. But I tell you what, as long as you are available, sir, over the course of the next few weeks as we get closer and closer to the uh, midterm elections, I would love for you to stop in and join us a little more often and, and give us that insight. And hopefully... As some of these races tighten up, you'll be able to, to tell me you're thinking that uh, some of these uh, races have changed and maybe the good guys have it. In. I will have it down to the counties, my friend. <laughs> All right. Nailed down to the counties. And by the way, you write great stuff, too. How about shipping a little bit over to Conservative Daily Briefing and letting me publish it? Well, you write pretty good stuff yourself. I appreciate that, but my problem is I'm just way too inconsistent. I don't make enough time to write. Uh, That's okay. <laughs> just whenever you can, throw me some articles whenever you can. Whenever you're rained out and snowed in in Knoxville, send them over. <laughs> I, I have a feeling we'll have some chances to do that. So, uh, as All always, right. uh, Ken, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. It's, it's an honor. It, it's not every day that I get to... Uh, to talk to a friend on the show. I, I, I get to do that sometimes. I've got a, a small circle of folks that come on on the regular. Uh, you are among them, sir. And uh, the the greatest thing is getting to call you friend because you are a true patriot. And you don't pull the punches. You call them like you see it. And, uh, you know, you understand. Uh, it's okay to disagree about a few things. It doesn't make you an enemy. Uh, we need some more That's of that. Right. We need some more of that in the party, too. We could start uh, building some bridges instead of tearing each other down. Ken, thank you so That's much. Right. 
keep up the great work. Conservative Daily Briefing. And uh, keep uh, looking, uh, check out Real America's Voice uh, and uh, keep looking for Ken's stuff over there, too. It's almost as if he's saving his best stuff for them instead of over at Conservative Daily Briefing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. And, Tim, it's an honor and a pleasure. And you, too, are a great patriot, and I'm proud to call you a friend. And remember my son's name when you get pulled over now. I I will. Hopefully, I don't get pulled over. You'll have to explain that to everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully, I'm not doing anything to get pulled over. But believe you me, (laughs) if I see the name Crow, uh, I'll be saying, oh, you're Ken's boy. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. (laughs) All right. Thank you, Ken. Take uh, care, my friend. We will talk again soon. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was Mr. Ken Crow. All right, and obviously there's not enough time to get into the AOC story like I had hoped. So watch for a new Rumble video about it over the weekend. In the meanwhile, don't take my word for it. Definitely don't take their word for it. Be prepared to put in some effort and, most importantly, use your brain if you really want to tap into the truth. And in the meanwhile, a parting message for Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. This is Tim Tapp. Let's go, Brandon. in both
is using both hands. Not a joke. Not a joke. And that wasn't hyperbole. I meant that. I'm not joking. No, I'm serious. This is not hyperbole. I'm not being facetious. And I mean it. Not a joke. For real. Not a joke. I mean it. I'm being serious. I'm being serious. Put all kidding aside. For real. No, I'm not joking. Not a joke. I mean it. I really mean it. I mean this. I'm not being solicitous. Not a joke.